Welcome to Holy Savior Sermons, bringing you the weekend sermons given at Holy Savior Church. Have you ever pursued something with such passion, such determination, that nothing was going to stop you? You know, when, when there's just something that you, you're just driven to, to complete, to accomplish, something that you want to hold on to. You know, there's, there's sometimes stories that are like that, where you read about someone who has such a passion, such a drive, that they are going to do everything they can do. They become so focused. I remember being like that about 32 years ago, very focused, very focused on this young lady that I met in an athletic field in Portland, Oregon, at Concordia University in Portland, that used to be a sister college, uh, the one here in Nebraska, that I thought, this, this is the one. And I already began devising plans, even the first you know, day that we met. This is how it's going to work out, and this is how we're going to meet, and we're going to connect, and we're going to grow, and this is going to go wonderful. Did it go quite like I had planned? Not quite like I had planned, but we're still together. <laughs> and so that's good. You know, and I, and I love to read stories. I don't know if you do. You read stories about sometimes the athletes or people who are successful in some kind of business, or you know, they just have a dream of something, and they want to pursue it, and nothing's going to stop them. You know, as you know, we look at our God, we see that our God you know, has a passion for us. Because we here at Holy Savior, we talk about growing in Jesus and sharing His love. We grow in Jesus and share His love as we gather, grow, and go. And as we gather together, we gather around God's Word and what we call the sacraments, God's gift to us that we celebrate here today. One of those sacraments is the Lord's Supper. As we celebrate God's love for us. And as we do that, we're going to have a gathering around God's Word. We're going to begin a new series here for the month of October. The series called God Speaks. The message of the minor prophets. God speaks. The minor prophets. You know, we talk about the prophets. Maybe we should really quick define what a prophet is. Because there is a prophet like a prophet margin, which is spelt differently. Then there's the prophet, which you may know what a prophet is. You think about the Old Testament prophets. That a prophet is a person regarded as an inspired proclaimer who conveys messages from God. Sometimes you think about the prophets, and the first thing that comes to mind, maybe depending on what movies you watch or, you know, maybe what other preachers you may listen to, is the prophets are always foretelling doom and gloom of down the road. Or you look at current events today and try to pin them to events that the prophets spoke about long ago. The problem is, when people do that, they tend to keep changing. This prophet said this, and therefore... 20 years ago, we were t- said that he meant this. And then 10 years ago, he meant this. And today, we say the prophet meant this. But prophets primarily, they were God's messengers to his people. And they spoke to God's people the law and the gospel. The law, a simple way to remember law, for those of you who maybe remember confirmation days, we say like SOS. You know, the law shows our sins, SOS. The gospel, the good news, shows our Savior. And so the prophets were called by God to bring his message to his people. And we're going to explore here the month of October, and then twice next year, two different months, the 12 minor prophets, sometimes called the 12. Now, when we talk about minor prophets, you know, we're not talking like baseball here. This is not like, are you in the major leagues or the minor leagues? It's not that the minor prophets were, it's not as good. 
you know, they weren't as dynamic, is that their content was less significant, is that the major prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel wrote and much more was recorded than what they said. The minor prophets, it's much more condensed. So if you look at Hosea, I'd encourage you, if you want to you know, spend some time this week you know, digging a little deeper, read through Hosea. It, it, it's it's a, just to take you a short amount of time to read through Hosea. And, and the other prophets we're going to cover in the next three weeks following. And if you want to dig in a little bit deeper, too, you can go to Concordia Publishing House, go to cph.org, and they've got a Bible study there on Hosea. They actually have Hosea, and one by just Hosea, and another with the three other, um, prophets, Hosea and two others, together. You know, or Right Now Media, because we've got Right Now Media. You can go to rightnowmedia.org, and you can look at the Bible Project, and they've got this really cool little video, this kind of synopsis of Hosea and all the other prophets. But talk about prophets again. We're going to talk about this guy named Hosea, who was a prophet. A prophet, again, is not a prophet margin. They're not some foreteller of some cosmic events. Well, they kind of are sometimes, so I can't quite say they're not. But primarily, they did what? They proclaimed the message of God. Now, three of the common traits of the prophets, you know, the, the things that we see in these prophets, especially the minor prophets, is that they give us a snapshot of what's going on in the lives of God's people in history. So this is not just some abstract writing. This is somebody who lived in history and is speaking to God's people who are living in a particular moment in history. This moment of Hosea is a time when Israel, God's people, are now split into two kingdoms. So we have the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And Hosea is a prophet to the northern kingdom. There wasn't as many to the northern kingdom. So they, they, they have a snapshot of God's people at a certain time in history. And then the prophets, and you, especially if you read some of the prophets especially, they had this like extreme communication. Again, they proclaimed God's message to his people. And sometimes those messages, quite often those messages were extreme. And the other the thing to know about the prophets is that it is not often prescriptive in the sense of when they're writing this, that that one little detail necessarily speaks into our lives. The prophet is saying, this is for you. You are this person right here. But we do read that and we learn as those people struggled with God and their relationship with God, their relationship with others, how we too struggle with our relationship with God and our relationship with others. And reminded, you know, of God's covenant relationship with his people and God's promise and the fulfillment of a new covenant. So let's dig into Isaiah a little bit. We're going to go fast because, again, I mean, Hosea is a whole book. We're going to cover the whole book in 35 minutes. I'm just kidding. It'll be shorter than that. We're going to move fast. That's why I encourage you, again, watch the video, get the Bible study from Concordia Publishing House, read through Hosea yourself. We're just going to focus on these words here, Hosea 2.14. Let's read this together. That is why I'm going to win her back. I will lead her into the desert. I will speak tenderly to her. Now, this is God speaking through the prophet Hosea. And you get this idea of God having a vision, a, a vision that he wants to pursue, one that he loves. Let's fill a little bit in about Hosea. I mean, how many of you have heard of Hosea, maybe, and you know one of the big things about Hosea is God gave him an extreme communication that he had for the people. 
The background information is that God said, Hosea, I want you to marry Gomer. Now, Gomer, depending on your translation, and, and the language is a little bit flexible exactly who she was. I'll put it this way. And just imagine, you know, here's this, this beautiful woman standing in the rain, the rain, you know, going down her cheeks and her lips. She's got those beautiful, soft, brown eyes. Her beauty, you know, is like a, a fragrant, you know, valley of lilies. Men would easily flock to her, and she could be adorned with gifts of gold and silver, anything that she'd want. And then she's standing there, and often in the distance, she sees a man running toward her. This man, this man is pursuing her, not, not with a passion, but with a broken heart. Because she knows men and she knows this man in particular. Because as he nears her husband, Hosea, says, Gomer, come home. Gomer was an unfaithful wife. And God called Hosea to marry a woman that was either a prostitute or was already known for using her beauty to get what she wanted. Pursuing, you know, a love that always seemed elusive. And God called Hosea to marry Gomer. To be a communication point for God's relationship to his people, Israel. That just as Israel was unfaithful to God and often pursued other gods and pursued alliances with other nations trying to think that they could you know, do themselves better and they abandoned their first love. God says, like Hosea, you know, I am pursuing you. you know, what could have happened in the culture of that day, in the law of that day, you know, Hosea would have married Gomer. Gomer would have committed adultery. And then rather than chasing after to pursue her, to call her back home, it would have been a crowd of other people and they would have surrounded her and stoned her to death. You're an adulteress, judgment, and the verdict is carried out. But instead, we have this, this image here of Hosea again and again going to Gomer and saying, Gomer, come home. And so these words here from Hosea 2.14, you know, that is why I'm going to win her back. I will lead her into the desert and I will speak tenderly to her. We have this God who has a passion for his people. And this is the truth we learn from Hosea. That God loves us even when his love is unreturned. God loves us. God loves his people even when his love is unreturned. Now, again, the prophets had extreme communication. So he marries Gomer, extreme enough. But, you know, God being God is going to have Hosea really communicate to God's people clearly about his intentions. Now, have you ever noticed how sometimes, especially people like in Hollywood and other famous people, people come up with some weird names for their kids? I mean, I'll give you a few examples here. We'll run through like just three of them. It's just some... Interesting names. Here's the first name. This name is Exa Dark Sidereal. I mean, 
I'm not picking on the name, but I mean, Elon Musk and Grimes, that's the name they chose. It's a unique name. It's not like James or Craig was helping out. You know, it's not a Sally or a Bob or, you know, Michael or, yeah. It's unique. Well, here's another one. Gravity. How about that for a name? Would she like to be known as Gravity? You know, I just, okay. Or, or this name here, Apple. Not even what kind of Apple are you? I mean, that's kind of the running joke I'd have. So what kind of Apple are you? Apple. Well, you know, God, you know, when Hosea and Gomer have children, they have three children, they have a son, a daughter, and a son. God says, I, I got the names for you. First name that God gives them for their firstborn son is Jezreel. Jezreel was, um, well, it, it really, the word is rooted in the idea of, of kind of destruction and replanting. So there's a sense of, uh, of judgment and, and hope in there. But it, it's also a place of defeat. It, it was a location in this part of the world where, where God's people were defeated. And so that, that's the name, that's the image this person gets to carry with him. Thanks, Dad, for that name. Again, God is communicating through even the name of Hosea's son of judgment against his people, but also a glimmer of hope. The next name, their daughter, his name is Lo Ruhamah, which, again, great name. If you know Hebrew, you know exactly what it means. Basically, it means not loved. Oh, man. How would you like that for a name? Not loved. What's, my, what's your name, not loved? Well, I love you, but yeah, my name's not loved. Yeah, not loved. I mean, God, again, was communicating to his people. You are not loved, and you have not loved me. So they had a son, they had a daughter, and they have another son. Next son, his name is Lo-Ami. And Lo-Ami means not my people. Man, how would you have liked Hosea to be your dad? <laughs> not my people, not love, you know, desolate, broken, a place of destruction and defeat. God is trying to communicate to his people. Because as, as we talk about these prophets, you know, we see that God is a God who loves us even when his love is unreturned. God loves us. God loves his people even when his love is unreturned. So as we walk through the Minor Prophets, we have four questions. I'm going to run through these really quick and um, that we're going to explore in each of the prophets. Because while there's a lot of similarities, you know, with each prophet, there's also some unique um, differences with each prophet and how God used them to communicate to his people and how those words communicate into our lives today. First question is this. What does God reveal about himself? Second question, what does God reveal about us? So it's God and it's us. Third question, what snapshot is given of the people's old covenant reality and its fulfillment? Fourth question, what does it mean for me and my neighbor? So all of this that we know about God, ourselves, the, the old covenant, the fulfillment of the covenant, what does it mean for me and my neighbor? How has it lived out in my life today in my relationship with God and with others. So let's take a crack at that first question. What does God reveal about himself? 
What does God reveal about himself in Hosea? Besides giving Hosea some unique names for his kids and a unique relationship. A unique relationship with a woman who is unfaithful. And God calls him to pursue her again. We get a glimpse of who our God is. Our God is a God who loves us even when we have not loved him in return. And the beauty of those words here from Isaiah, Isaiah, sorry, Hosea uh, 2, verses 19 and 20, we get a glimpse of who this God is. Let's read these words together. I will commit myself to you forever. In steadfast love and tender compassion, I will commit myself to you in faithfulness. So a God who is what? Committed. Committed to you, to me, to the entire human race, even though we have been faithless. He will be faithful. He will be true to the promise that he made long ago to Adam and Eve, the promise that he makes to you and me today in Jesus. Let's go back to that, that statement we said a little earlier. God loves us even when his love is unreturned. We get this image again of God pursuing, just like Hosea coming back to Gomer and saying, Gomer, come home. For the third and the fourth and the fifth time, a God, a God who comes to us and says, come home. It doesn't matter who you've been when, it doesn't matter what you've done. I love you. Come home. Our second question, what does God reveal about us? Well, what God reveals about us, what he revealed to his people through Gomer, is that, well, we're unfaithful. I mean, if we take a little few moments to do a little self-assessment, we can see ways that we have trusted in other things, other people, the stuff of this world to be our source of strength, our source of hope, the things that, you know, that we pursue, the things that we truly, if we're honest, we love. He reveals our sin. Remember, it said the law shows us our sin. It shows us who we are. But like the people that lived long ago that Hosea spoke to, that at times we're that, not that much different than what we're willing and wanting to pursue. A people who are broken by our sin, but also a people who are loved by God. A people God is willing to pursue to the furthest ends of the earth to pursue even into death through his son, Jesus Christ. So what snapshot is given of the people's old covenant reality and its fulfillment? We get this uh, in the words of Jeremiah, because Hosea is not the only time God speaks in the language of that about like husband and, and wife, this, this relationship of God wanting to pursue and love. And the old covenant, God speaks about this old covenant, and we caught this in some of the, the language of the, what we heard this morning, is, yes, it goes back to Adam and Eve, and it goes back to Abraham, and it goes back to when God led his people out of Egypt from slavery and led them towards the promised land. God is saying, this is the relationship that I've had with you, this faithfulness that I've had, and you promised to be faithful, yet like Gomer, you've been unfaithful. And we get a glimpse then of the fulfillment of that promise, that ultimate promise in Jesus. But as Jeremiah writes in Jeremiah 31, let's read these words together. I will not be like the promise that I made to their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of Egypt. Because that promise they did what? 
they broke. God's going to say, this is the relationship we had, but you've broken the promise. Let's continue on with this verse. They rejected that promise, although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. See, God often, through his prophets, uses this relational language. And then we think in the words of Jesus, especially as we prepare to celebrate today the Lord's Supper. And we have this in the Gospels as well as in 1 Corinthians. Jesus says these words here. This is the cup, this new covenant in my blood shed for you, for all people, for the forgiveness of sins. And in the Old Testament custom, in the world in those days, when you had a covenant, you split an animal in half. And you basically said, what happened to this animal should happen to me or you if either one of us would break this promise, this covenant. Did God ever break the covenant? No. Did his people break the covenant? Yes. But God pursues with love and passion. And so ultimately that covenant, that new covenant, is the fulfillment of a promise, a covenant that cannot be broken because it's not dependent on you or I or people that live long ago or people that live in the future. It's dependent on what Jesus did for us and he whose blood was shed for us. The next question, what does it mean for me and my neighbor? Because we know that, that God loves us, but that begins to not just be my relationship with God, begins to shape how I interact and how I live with others. And this is also often the prophet spoke to this to God's people, that how they are to live and share this love. Jesus writes, writes about this in Matthew 5. Let's read together. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you this, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. See, God is calling, Jesus is calling us to love as we have been loved. Not to have a love that says, you have to love me before I love you. Thankfully, God didn't say that to us. But love as we have been loved by God. And then Jesus wraps up these thoughts here. In this way, you show that you are children of your Father in heaven. In this way, you show that you're really beginning to grasp what it means to be loved by God as you love one another, and love all others. In fact, if we'd expand that phrase we had earlier, God loves us when his love is unreturned, and Jesus calls us to learn to love in exactly the same way. To love even the loveless. To love even those who may reject that love. To love as we've been loved by the God of the universe but the one who pursues us with such passion that he gave his life for us on the cross. You know, we talk about here at Holy Spirit, we're about growing in Jesus and sharing his love. We're going to grow in Jesus and share his love. We're going to have to grow, not just in head knowledge about who he is and what he's done, but what it really means, that love and passion that he has for us and how that shapes our lives and our relationships with others. So I give a challenge for us as we go out this week. And this challenge isn't a question, just for us to think about and how we would act on this. What is one way God's relentless love for you will shape you this week? Maybe it's that as you reflect on your own unfaithfulness to God. Maybe it's as you think about others that as you've been loved by God, how God may be calling you to love them. The same love that he has loved you. Let's pray. Lord God, we give you thanks and praise for the gift of your amazing love. A love, Lord, that is relentless. A love that is given again and again. Even though, Lord, we have times again and again, but on faith. We thank you.
for your love. Help us to love you with the love that you've shared with us and let that love saturate our lives that we would love others the same love. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. For more information about Holy Savior, including service times and location, please visit holysavior.org. Thanks for listening. Until next time.